Coming up, John Cryer joins Ileana in just a minute. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, it's the I Blame Dennis Hopper podcast, starring Ileana Douglas. Eavesdrop with Ileana as she interviews Hollywood's most prominent players about filmmaking, acting, and what really happens on the set of your favorite flicks and TV shows. That's right. Hi, everyone. It's Ileana Douglas. Welcome to the I Blame Dennis Hopper podcast. Look at me with my pen, like a real talk show host, like David Letterman or <laughs> something. I'm here with Tamara Bird. Hi, everybody. And uh, I'm very excited to have John Cryer Super here. Super excited. Such a fan of his, of course. Uh so so much a part of our uh, our youth. Too. Yes, John Hughes movies, Pretty in Pink. Oh my gosh! Um, yes. And uh, with so much going on in the news, of course, I've been doing lots of press for Trailblazing Women. Yay! On, on uh, TCM, and and every time I try to talk about female pioneers, <laughs> what happens? They say, "Well, tell us more about the Harvey Weinstein scandal." <laughs> Let's talk about sexual harassment and abuse, so, uh, shall we? <laughs> uh, but I it, mean, it's a big story. It's a big deal. I think it's a big deal just because, you know, again, it's like a pressure cooker of, of, some, of everybody feels safe again to talk about this environment. Over the weekend, he was uh, kicked out of the Academy. I'm a member of the Academy. Yeah. I, I, uh, I applaud that decision. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, of course, there are always going to be naysayers. Like, what about this person? What about this person? But I think the thing is that it's it, it sets a tone that um you know just of kind of a morality and and i think that going forward that that's all you can ask for and I, that there are serious consequences well listen right? you know when i make when you make a movie or television show there is a there's a morality clause yep. within it um and you know on all you can't commit a crime you, you know right. it's uh, you can't have this kind of inappropriate behavior i think that for those of us who have transitioned from oh this is something that has happened all our life to now it's uh inappropriate so i think it's jarring the 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 question that i keep getting asked by men is like when is it going to end you know like where does this end uh, meaning the the accusations or the number of people who are affected i think that what they mean is like what, you know they feel very defensive like yes. where where will it end right we, you know is it is can it, i wink at somebody or can i not exactly can, that, like that mm -hmm. that's a comment or right. but it it has caused me in my own life to again reevaluate and i was talking about this last week you know again the a permissive environment of sexism mm -hmm. you know like on the show that i did um action yes where you're in a way you're kind of asked to play along and think it's funny but it really isn't funny, um, but you train yourself to kind of say, "Well, it's you know part of the show and the you know the the wildness and uh, of the show." And I was also outnumbered like twenty men to one, right. but I was ex you know I was expl expressing today that you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Like that was an experience where. I was so proud of being on the show, and I loved the show so much, and I really wanted it to be a good show. And as it veered into uh, ha having me do things that I thought were just, you know, inappropriate, mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I complained to the to Chris uh, Thompson about it, and for doing that, he removed me from the show. So, and then had a serious talking. You know, we talked about it, and. It was kind of like when they brought me back, it was like I knew it was understood, like, 
don't complain anymore, you know. Right. And that was something that I carried with me, you know, uh, for the rest of my career. Like, something bad happens, uh, don't talk about it. You know, people don't really necessarily want a problem. That This goes for dangerous stunts, you know, yes. the, all sorts of things yes. of have I been in the position, you know, I've made jokes about it where I've, I've done many, many car scenes, unpermitted, camera on the car, really, you know, late at night, um, you know, ha- had a lot of real near misses, you know, dri- driving or, or doing a stunt. I did a stunt in a movie called Californians where I had to, you know, drown in the ocean and I practically you know around the 10th time you do this you're like I think I'm really going to drown do we have this shot so um, there always is a kind of you know uh, you're in a movie so you never anticipate getting you know getting hurt but of course I think that all these conversations are good I think that at a certain point we need to flip the page into a more positive thing by saying okay well you know, uh, uh, put these women to work then. Like, you know, let's not, you know, let's use this moment for, for something uh, creative. You know? Right, right. Um, and and, uh, and I, uh, hopefully, again, I think it's a good, it's a, it's a good thing. The other thing I want to talk about is, on a positive note, the, the Steven Spielberg documentary is fantastic because I watched it last night. Oh, it's yeah. really inspiring. Um, and, uh, I, you know, he, you know what was the most the most inspiring part was he said he watched when he was a young kid he watched Lawrence of Arabia and he wanted to be a director and he saw Lawrence of Arabia and he got really depressed and he said no there's no way because I could never make a movie as good as Lawrence of Arabia and wow. I and I thought it was so important for him to say that because I think that all of us who look at a Steven Spielberg movie go like where, and I, there's where, no place for me there's no way I can do you know that. he's yeah. he's just he's so thoughtful with his shots it's just you know it's an, it's incredible and um what an amazing filmmaker you know probably right. one of the great great filmmakers of all time you know not just i mean we've got the howard hawkses and the billy wilders and i certainly have my favorite directors from the past but you'd have to say of somebody that has gone from the 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 art watching the arc of his his career made me actually reevaluate and re reappreciate him because I'm I like sentiment. Uh-huh. And so uh, do I. Big fan. Yeah, so in my my favorite film of his is uh, Close Encounters. Mm. And so he's had like kind of a bumpy road in right. terms of successful movies and then people didn't like the color purple and I thought it was uh well I and I love 1941. Everybody knows that. That's yes. One, one yes. of my faves. So it was, it was very interesting. Um and I guess that's about all I have to say on okay. the subject. I'm, well, I think we should bring in John. I'm so excited. Uh, of course, John is a he is an actor. He's a writer. He's a producer. Wrote a book, of course, but best known for his two-time any Emmy winning role on Two and a Half Men. He's appeared in numerous television shows, uh, and his films. We're going to get to it. Superman Four, of course, Hot Shots, and of course, Ducky and Pretty in Pink. Uh, Please welcome everyone, John Cryer, if they'll let you in. Now, John, the most, and you can wear the headphones or not wear the, I like the headphones because they're, but you've achieved something in show business that nobody else has 
it's pretty rare. We uh, have never met. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, there you are. Thank too. you. Yeah, it's uh, almost like how is that literally possible? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I especially and you're from the East Coast. I'm from the East Coast. Yeah. I was in New York. I think, I think when you were doing Torch Song trilogy, I uh-huh. probably would have been in acting school. Okay. So this so, was around eighty two, eighty three. Yeah. So. We were in the and and of course I was listening to your mom's record album and we're gonna get to my obsession with 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 that but yeah so you were in New York mm-hmm. but I my parents were poor so like I would have loved to have gone to theater camp uh, <laughs> I would have been <laughs> oh gosh yes you would have you would have been the belle of the ball at theater camp it was uh, uh, it was an amazing thing no I went to a camp called Stage Door Manor in upstate New York. Uh, and it was pretty much where parents sent their kids if they had no idea what to do with them. Right. Uh, 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 but there was, but also there was a lot of just musical theater nerds uh, yeah. as well. Uh, and that's that's the, the where I sort of uh, lay at that at that time. Uh, and it was just an amazing way to spend the summer. Uh, and just you know your your mind would explode from you know meeting all these people and doing you had you had to do uh, a show every two weeks you had to do a different oh, show every two great. weeks uh, love with a bunch that. of kids you know and and it was wildly inappropriate casting wildly you know i know that's a the fun part of nine-year-old it. jewish girl is playing sweeney todd <laughs> okay sure why not why not let's do this uh, <laughs> but uh, but i'm sad that i did not meet you uh, i know then. I know, I know. Well, we had a, that was a similar upbringing. I was in the Hartford Stage Company uh, Youth Theater. Oh, okay. And so we did musicals in the summer. That was my way in, too. Mm -hmm. But then when I got to New York uh, and I went to my first, like, Broadway audition, I was like, yeah, you suck. (laughs) (laughs) You have a little work to do. You know, being Sylvia in, the, in Two Gentlemen of Verona is not quite uh, going to cut it. Here. Hey, we all, you know, we all get there. Our, our, you know, I got, I had, my first big Broadway audition was for Torch Song Trilogy, as oh a matter of fact. And it was terrifying. But, uh, but before that, I had only done, I had done, you know, Oliver. I had, I, I was, I, I was, a, you know. Uh, uh, anonymous chorus member in Oliver. Yes. I, you know, I was in Godspell in my junior high. You know, you got to start somewhere. Yes, yes, that's true. I Well, uh, those were the all the, the great uh, musicals. Okay, we're going to get to your mom, but I have to ask my favorite question. Okay. To who, what was your, what was the first movie you saw? I'm so, I always love this because I'm so curious. <laughs> what was the first movie you saw and who took you to see it? The first movie I recall going to see mm-hmm. was... Uh, Escape from the Planet of the Apes. That's a new uh, the one. original one, old yes. school one with Roddy McDowell and the yeah, best. who's wonderful. And uh, uh, him, I ended up meeting you, not so much. Yes, uh, for some reason. Uh, but <laughs> uh, but that was the. I recall only vaguely knowing the first Planet of the Apes. Uh, so. But I remember really liking it. Yeah. So, uh, so my dad took me to Escape from the Planet of the Apes, and I remember the, lo- the line down the street. You know, like, oh, this is such a big deal, this movie. Yeah. And I remember the big teaser of the movie was, uh, you know, a spacecraft lands, and uh, all these generals are gathered to say, "Welcome back to Earth, astronauts!" And they take off their helmets, and they're apes. What the? <laughs> what the? Uh, <laughs> um, but. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, it was, uh, but I, I recall loving it, and that was that was a movie that um, very early on sort of introduced the idea that humans were kind of idiots. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, and I recall getting that at six years old and going, "Yeah, we're we got we got some trouble. Yeah, we're screwed up." Now both and both of your parents were actors. Both my parents were actors. My dad took me to that. I believe uh-huh. my my parents were divorced by then. Uh, so he would take me places on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was very much an old school divorce, you know, none of that 50-50 stuff. Just, you know, dad gets every other weekend. You know, right. that's, what, that's four days a month <laughs> <laughs> that a dad gets to be with their kids. Um, but, uh, but that was the expectation at the time. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, uh, and I remember going to my dad's cool uh, apartment down in the village, because um, he was an actor, yeah, uh, and, and remains an actor, uh, and uh, and I and it was tiny. Oh my God! I remember how how just incredibly tiny it was, uh-huh. uh, and um, I, and I remember the woman who would later become my stepmother, mm-hmm. uh, 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 and uh, you know it, it just brings back a lot of. I remember you know anti-war protests and the, how the, the village was back then. It was just so so crazy, and I remember smelling pot everywhere and that only <laughs> diminished for a small period yeah. <laughs> in the 80s and 90s and then it's all back <laughs> yeah, it's, it yeah. just it's it smells of it once again um so with your mom who whose name is gretchen crier and uh i have to tell you which is the story i already told you it's so excited just to meet you to tell it so i can tell the story is that when i was at my foot well I, I went to one acting school and they kicked me out after one year they told me i was un, <laughs> untalented no yes that was the dreaded america it was called the american academy and uh-huh. they were like they told me i was horrible and so I was like, well, wait a minute. Who says there's a rule? So I, I, went, <laughs> I went to the neighborhood playhouse. Mm-hmm. And that always, I was like a big hit there. And then my life changed. But anyway, cutting back to the academy, we had an apartment on uh, Madison Avenue. Uh, and the main girl was, uh, who had the apartment, his name was Joanne Schetzlein. And there was like 18 other women uh, living there. And we'd go to school. But we knew that when uh, Joanne was depressed, she'd take out her album of... Uh, um, getting my act together and taking on the road. <laughs> this was my mom's show, which a lot of people think was a one-woman show. It was never a one-woman no, show. No, they were a female duo. N- well, they, they, like songwriters, writer. yes. Songwriters. Uh, uh, my mom uh, was half of Cryer and Ford who wrote the music to it. Um, but uh, but no, it's a it's a big it's a big musical with the whole band and the, the whole nine yards. Um, it was about her, and it was a feminist musical, and that yes. was uh, that was considered a big deal in the seventies. Yeah, it, um, it was it was I mean it was people's anthem. You know, when I was going in school, so this must have been like I'm gonna say I don't know I'm gonna take a guess like eighty two or eighty three like somewhere in there. So it was the album. So she must have already been doing the show, and then the album came out. Yes, but and then that song was like a big audition song. Which yes, was called there was a few. There old was friends. Old Friend, yes. That was, every time I have myself <laughs> together. <laughs> it's very much a, yeah. It's, but the it's, it's that, a cabaret song. It really is something that, you know, people are drinking in a bar at 2 a.m. Yes. Know, uh, at Marie's Crisis Cafe down, down on Christopher Street. Well, I must have heard it 18,000 times because it was like an anthem in our in our house. So we loved it. But it, was that something that your mom did post the divorce or was she working on that before? It was post uh, divorce. And, and in fact, it 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 uh, it talked about her divorce quite a bit, um, although never mentioning her children. Uh, <laughs> which I was like, oh, wow, mom. Oh. OK, no, that's cool. It's cool. <laughs> 
Um, but I saw it when I was 13 years old. It came out in 1978. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and it's a big eye-opening experience to see your mom as an artist. Yeah. You know, and seeing her cursing every now and then and, you know, and being very open about her life, even though it wasn't, you know, strictly autobiographical. Right. You know, it was clearly dealing with a lot of stuff that she dealt with. And, uh, and I remember it just, you know, it, it just sort of opened my eyes about her. Um, but also I was terribly embarrassed because it's like my mom is, you know, God, my mom's singing rock songs. Please. She's my mom. You know, um, I didn't buy it at the time. Uh, um, but, uh, uh, but it was fascinating because I took my son when he was 13 to see it uh, staged at Encores mm-hmm. uh, at City Center in New York City. And it was the same sort of mind blower for him at the time because he saw grandma cursing, uh, <laughs> or, well, or a character representing grandma rather, yes, um, cursing and and seeing my mom as an artist, right, was very strange for him. Mm-hmm. You know, he she was always just his grandma. You know, yeah. Um, so uh, so it's 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 had a real sort of a, it's been a vessel of familial, you know, tradition. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Well, I love it. I recommend everyone. I was re-listening to it in preparation, and I was like, "That song's really good." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the songs are fantastic. It's you know, and, and and it's a terrific show. I mean, it's a, it's about a woman uh, who's trying to change her nightclub act to yeah. reflect her life. And at, you know, back in the seventies, you didn't really do that. You didn't do skits in your nightclub act. It just right. wasn't done. Uh, so it's about her fighting with her manager to get her act the way that she wants it yes um and uh and it really holds up it's a lovely show you see so many shows that are uh uh that have sort of taken that same format and and, that's what uh, i was going to say was like post see post that i saw a lot of shows where they tried to do it shirley McLean had Mm -hmm. one and andrea marcovici and a Mm -hmm. lot of people then it became sort of au courant to to kind of Mm-hmm. do shows like that so she really is a, a a trailblazer so did you at what point did you think did you go to theater camp did you always know you wanted to be an actor or because they were actors uh they yes i always loved the the life mm-hmm. uh i always loved being backstage my i remember my dad being uh, was in the fantastics off broadway and you know incredibly cramped dressing rooms it just yeah. you know and uh, uh, I mean, they, they, it was like a hallway, basically, with that they put up mirrors and they <laughs> put in chairs, and uh, and I remember, you know, the older actors, you know, with whose faces were just caked with makeup, and the, you know, and then there was the young ingenue who who was getting who was in her underwear right next to the old guy, you know, of course. <laughs> and I remember just this just rocked my world as a yeah. kid. I was like, wait a minute, you know, girls stand around scantily clad, yeah. <laughs> you know, this is crazy. And uh, and I just I, I remembered loving the life. I, you know, yeah. everybody was having such a wonderful time. And you know, when when a bunch of actors get together and put on a show, it's it's usually a, a, a fun group. Yeah. Uh, and I loved that uh, thing. And in fact, when I got into the movie business, I missed that. Mm-hmm. I really missed that camaraderie because in a movie, you show up the days you shoot, and you shoot those days, right. and then you're done. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. And, and it's just not the same as putting together a show with a bunch of people who you have to depend on to you know, hit all their cues and, you know, that guy has to throw me that prop at exactly the right time. And that guy, you know, and you just, you, the, the, the collaboration is, uh, is really visceral and really, mm-hmm. you know, exciting. So when you got in Torch Song Trilogy, was, were your parents, I mean, I guess the obvious question is, were they 
like, oh, good for you. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's about, that's exactly right. It was just a tone of sort of rueful, oh, here he goes, you know? (laughs) Um, Yeah, they they did not want me to get into the business. They they didn't, they never tried to stop me. Right. Um, uh, And like they paid for that, that fancy schmancy summer camp up in upstate New York. Uh, But... But they clearly w- were hoping that I would do something uh, a little more substantial, right. I think. Uh, um, but by the time I was 18 and uh, I started, you know, auditioning for things and started, you know, the, I, my, my story is very atypical because I auditioned for uh, Torch Song Trilogy and Brighton Beach Memoirs on the same day. Oh, my God. And these were both parts that my, Matthew Broderick had started and I yeah. bore a striking resemblance to Matthew Broderick at the time. And literally the, the next day, I got offered both of them. Oh my which, god! This is not. I, I that day I said, okay, I am the luckiest mofo uh, yeah. in New York City because that just does not happen. Yeah. Uh, and I just it was just an absolute accident of the timing, and that I looked. I mean, literally during my audition for for uh, Harvey for Harvey Firestein. Yeah. Um, uh, he gasped when I walked on stage, <laughs> and literally that night I came to see the show. And, um, uh, and, uh, uh, oh, come on. Uh, Estelle Getty was, uh, uh, backstage and I walked up and to say, you were wonderful in the show because she was yeah. amazing in that show. And she walked up to me and said, hello, darling. And she grabbed me by the face and I said, I, I it's so nice to meet you. And she looked at me and realized I was not Matthew Roderick yeah. and her face just fell, you know? Um, and that was something I got used to in my, in my career. But, uh, <laughs> but at any rate. Uh, uh, but again, I, I, I just happened to come in at the luckiest possible time. Right. So did you, at this point, did you read like Harpo and Lucy? Did you and Brian come <laughs> face to face? I, we, did we, I was his understudy for like six weeks, actually. I was his understudy. And, uh, and you know, when we're next to each other, we don't look that much alike. You know, right. you see all the differences when, when we're actually next to each other. But, uh... Uh, but there was never he he was already you know winning a Tony for best actor so right. there was never it was never like it was competitive yeah <laughs> you know uh, and and uh, and I just had so much uh, admiration for him but also I I had a, a certain frustration because he was very healthy uh, and never <laughs> missed a show <laughs> while I was uh, while I was his understudy unfortunately. Uh. Uh, the uh, so so doing that and then so you cho- I can't believe you did both I mean how how did you handle doing both shows Well I I well I here's here's a good here's a good way to do that uh, God. <laughs> I got myself fired from Brighton Beach Memoirs oh. and then did uh, Torch Song Trilogy uh, No what happened was uh, I I got offered both jobs the next day I took the job of being Matthew Broderick's understudy Yeah uh, in Brighton Beach and uh, and within uh, and, and about four weeks into it, we did a run-through for Gene Sachs, the director, who's right. a terrific director. And, Love uh, Gene Sachs. And I was still a little shaky on the lines. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's a huge part. It's Neil and, Simon. And it's Neil Simon, and I was scared out of my wits, and, you know, I'd only been working two days a week with the stage manager at that point. Mm-hmm. But what I did not know was I was actually supposed to be completely off-book and rock-solid in my lines four weeks in because I got to be ready to go on. Right. And I was not. Right. And uh, and so I didn't get any notes from Gene Sachs, and I thought, yeah, <laughs> I just nailed this. <laughs> um, I love it. And then uh, I found out that, uh, no, in fact, I had not nailed it. <laughs> in fact, just the opposite. And they fired me. Uh, oh. uh, and I, I'm, in, I'm so grateful, again, for that, actually, because... 
you know, those you know, the tougher experiences are what teach you things. Right. Uh, and I and I uh, and it, you know, changed my whole. It's, this is a business. You know, right. you have you have real obligations as a performer, and you have to do them. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, you know, this isn't about how wonderful it is to be with another group of actors. It isn't about the wonder of the creativity. You have a job that right. you have to do. Right. Uh, and so I'm really glad I learned that then. But uh, it, And it did give me time to do Torch Song Trilogy. <laughs> um, it opened up my schedule nicely. Oh, my God. Uh, at the time. But, uh, uh, but you know, then I, and I did Torch Song for a while. And interestingly, I did a movie, and then they asked me back to do Brighton Beach Memoirs uh-huh. um, to take over uh, for the next actor who had done it. Well, that's and good. So it was good. So I got back. And then, in the ultimate compliment, they asked me to understudy Matthew again when he was doing Biloxi Blues. So Biloxi Blues, which was the sequel to Brighton Beach Memoirs, yes. was running uptown a few blocks from... Brighton Beach Memoirs yes. while I was doing Brighton Beach Memoirs. So the idea was that if Matthew got sick, but I knew he wouldn't get sick, oh. <laughs> but if Matthew got sure. sick, I would leave my show, Brighton Beach Memoirs, and go uptown, run uptown, right. uh, and do uh, and go on for Matthew. Um, and and my understudy would go on in, right. in Brighton Beach at that time. And so did it ever happen? That never happened. Never. Thankfully, I'm no, I'm thrilled. I couldn't have. I, I couldn't take that gig. I couldn't. You know, it's a huge part, as you know. Do, just doing Brighton Beach is a huge part. So yeah. having two plays banging around in my head at the same time, no. Yeah, not, and not that was a big happen. deal. I've said this before. Uh, Chris Noth was on the show, and mm-hmm. like when I was in school at the Playhouse, like half of my class. Dylan McDermott, they all ended up being in Biloxi Blues. Mm-hmm. That was like the big... Yeah, it was a big get as an actor. Cause, yeah, because it was great parts. And oh, my Neil God. Simon, and it was fun. It was just, a, yeah. you know, and you could tell Matthew and all, that everybody up there was just having a wonderful time. I was uh, I was thinking Barry uh, suddenly Barry Miller like Barry Miller yes who was so where's wonderful. Barry Miller I know where's what Barry ha- Miller? where is Barry Miller the name of my after I blamed Dennis I said, where is Barry Miller <laughs> there you go he <laughs> That's was like the sequel he to was all over the I place and he was so good <laughs> yes he was wonderful uh, Saturday Night Fever. If you haven't seen Saturday Night Fever fame, in a long time, Lexi Blues. Yes. But uh, Saturday Night Fever, uh, first of all, the story of Saturday Night Fever totally holds up and is yeah. wonderful. And the drama of the show, the dancing, no, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> it's just terrible. Uh, and, the, and, and the actress who's supposed to be such a great dancer in it yeah. and is not. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What was her name? I don't remember. But uh, but yeah, that was a miss. Yeah, but that but the movie, the movie and the performances part. in the movie are fantastic. And yeah, Travolta's amazing. Just everybody. Oh, it's, it's it holds up so well. Beautiful, beautiful piece of, of movie making, except for the dancing. Um. So with this, uh, with your Matthew Broderick thing, I can't believe n- nobody's ever put you together. You haven't. No. Been... Well, we're similar. You know. Uh, but uh, you, why wouldn't? I mean, wouldn't that have been the most genius casting to to make you guys brothers, <laughs> brothers. or something? Well, but I think they like it when people are have a really different vibe. You know, the characters have to have a really, really different take on. He and I are though are different people. Uh, you know, I, and I think he's a genius as yeah. far as I'm concerned. I think he's right. great. You know, so I I, uh, I would love to work with him. God, in, it's in to me minute, that's like it, a but, natural. You know. It's like when I saw True West with uh, Dennis and Randy Quaid. Well, yeah. b- before Randy Quaid went to Barry Miller, yes, another. another <laughs> probably, I'm sure they're in. They were probably both in, in Montana, Canada, yeah. yeah, somewhere <laughs> beards or something. Yes. Um, I'll keep I'll keep re- referencing uh, people that went over the edge. Um, <laughs> 
so then how long after that did you get did you go to Hollywood immediately no. or did oh, they audition well Pretty in Pink in New York? I or? auditioned for, my first movie was uh, a movie called O.C. and Stiggs with okay. Robert Altman wow. and Dennis Hopper, as a matter of fact. So I, too, blame Dennis Hopper uh, <laughs> because uh, that was my very first movie. Wow. What year? Oh, gosh. Uh, 80, I, I, I think I shot in the summer of 84, but okay. it never really came out. Okay. So it doesn't, I don't know if it wow. has a year officially. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was Robert Altman. I got invited up to, I got up to his hotel room. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no it was his apartment, actually. Yes. Uh, uh, he had a fantastic place on Central Park West. I remember. Okay. I remember. Uh, and, and, uh, uh, and it was just, I, I just, you felt special to be there. And he sat there and interviewed me for a long time. We just talked and shot yeah. the shit, which is like, for an actor, that's crazy. It's like, you, I, you know, I have lines or whatever. Yeah. Uh, um, you expect to go in and actually do the part. But he didn't want that. He just wanted to sit and talk with me for a while. And I think we talked. And I had I was a big fan of the articles in National Lampoon that Ocean Stiggs was based on. Uh-huh. So I think he f- decided that that meant something. <laughs> that, yeah. I, that I already was familiar with the material. Um, so, so that was the first part I, I ever got offered. And I mm. was absolutely petrified to work with uh, with. Bob Altman, and of course, you, there's no reason to be petrified of working with Bob Altman. He was great, you know. And and uh, uh, and I, it, it was it was a really fun experience, but but a misleading experience because we were just making up the movie as we went along, <laughs> basically. And nobody does that, yeah. You know? And so, and every every night he'd have dailies, uh, and everybody came to dailies and watched right. dailies and had a glass of wine, and uh, uh, you know. And 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 every now and then he'd force you to watch Three Women, you know, <laughs> um, which was fascinating to sit and watch Three Women with Robert Altman sitting right behind. Wow! You. And what would he say? Like uh, this was treated unfairly, or was... <laughs> no, no. Well, by that point, Three Women was considered a masterpiece by by many. Uh, um, but he, I think Brewster McCloud heard him. I think yeah. he <laughs> that that one didn't uh, go over well. Really bugged him. But he would every now and then pipe in with something. Uh, some in joke, yeah. you know, like uh, you know, uh, try to get those, you know, try to get those pigeons to stay in the right place. Har har har! And you're like, <laughs> what the fuck is he talking about? Um, but uh, uh, but and 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 you know, and he would show like Popeye, which was like his legendary flop. Yeah. Uh, and but he was, I don't know. There was just a lovely party atmosphere mm-hmm. and all these great uh actors like ray walston and dennis hopper and yeah you know wonderful uh, did you have any uh, people. I- interaction with dennis hopper only a little uh we were only on the set together one or two days that's all um, it takes i know <laughs> that's, that's, that's. <laughs> um but he was he was uh he i did not realize that he was actually a fantastic photographer yes uh, at the time yeah. um yeah. and and so he was just wandering around taking everybody's picture wow. and uh, and actually, recently, a friend of mine, as a as a gift, gave me a Dennis Hopper book of photography. Yes, and I was just aston- first of all just astonished at the life lived because it was all it was pictures of a lot of his um, a lot of people he met uh, during the civil rights movement and stuff yeah. like that, and just you know amazing shots of of these you know iconic human beings just yeah. hanging out you know, um, and that he I did not know he possessed that that talent yes um, we're really a renaissance man collected art and yeah 
you know, love to talk about acting. Did anyone ever say you have a Jerry Lewis quality? Oh, yes, including Jerry Lewis, <gasps> uh, which, well, we, which I, you know, I, was an honor. I'm I guess. obsessed with Jerry Lewis. Oh, really? Anything, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love Jerry. His son, Scott, worked on uh, Two and a Half Men. He uh, did? Actually. Uh, and or one of the, well, he worked on one of the sitcoms. Yeah, I think yeah. he worked on one of the, the first couple of seasons of Two and a Half Men or another one. Uh, that I did, I don't remember exactly which, but he at one point was saying, "Somebody's got to, you've got to play my dad yes. in something." Yeah. Uh, and he said, "I want you to meet my dad," and and I said, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> and so we went to uh, the Paramount lot and had lunch in the commissary. Uh, I and, love this. And his dad was uh, just the 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 effusive. And lovely Jerry Lewis, you know, yes. the, the one you hope to meet. Yes. Um, not the one everybody always met. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Um, I was lucky. Oh, oh, so you met him as well? Okay, yes, yeah, so. we worked together and became friends. And oh, okay, well, there you go. Um, but he, but he, uh, like, he was prone to just, at one point, he took a couple of chopsticks, I guess he was having the Chinese chicken salad, and he just put them under his lips and started going, oh, 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 like a, like a walrus. Um <laughs> And and that's just fun. Uh, <laughs> that's just just lovely. Uh, and I think uh, I know his son was trying to get uh, a, a biopic going for a while. I know another one went with Sean Hayes, who did uh, I think a fantastic job in that. He would have been um, better. And I love Sean Hayes, but I, I I'm telling you, you you I I knew the man, and you really have the quality of of him. I I it would be an honor. I I. You know, I, I was in awe of his talent, and uh, uh, you know, he's a, again a, an amazing person in this industry. Oh you my know, God! Uh, in terms of the work they did and and what they every time you look at a monitor. Yep, yep, it's true. Jerry, Jerry Lewis. Um, so when you so then how how did you meet? Um, let's get back to uh, then after that movie was Pretty in Pink. Your next film? Um, no, I did a movie called No Small Affair. That was my first movie that came out. Uh-huh. Um, and that's a different experience <laughs> when you when you do one that just sits in the in the studio. God, uh, well, maybe uh, it'll come out sometime. No, it did. It, it it's on DVD uh, oh. in a few places, and uh, and it's it is it's it's a neglected part of his oeuvre. Yeah, <laughs> as they say. Yes. Uh, um, but uh, uh, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen. I saw a very rough cut uh-huh. before Bob gave it to the studio, one where he was still happy with it. Yeah. Um, but my understanding was it got completely decimated uh-huh. after that. So I haven't seen it. Uh-huh. Um, but I remember even during the 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 uh, watching the dailies every night, uh, thinking this is hilarious to us. But I don't know if anybody else is going to get this, <laughs> you know. So uh, uh, it was a, a big learning experience. But um, but then I did a movie called No Small Affair with a, a director named Jerry Schatzberg, who was yes. known for, again, photography and for uh, uh, Panic in Needle Park, which and, is an uh, incredibly gritty movie about heroin addicts. Right, and the one uh, Gene Hackman and yeah. Al Pacino. Yeah, um, uh, uh, oh, I can't remember the title, but, but at any rate. Scarecrow. Scare- thank you. Well done. Scarecrow. Wow. Uh, uh, at any rate, uh, he was lovely, very soft-spoken. Uh, uh, I didn't... There's some directors you work with and you totally get what they're going for. Yeah. I did not get what he was going for. Right. Um, so I did, you know, I did what I... I did my best. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, and he would, you know, he, he was very... Again, he was... You never... If you did it right, he didn't say anything. Right. It was just cut and let's move on, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I needed more uh, <laughs> feedback than that. Yeah, you know, and I, I, if if I really pressed him, he'd say, "Oh, well, it was great. It was it was it was wonderful." You know, that was that was a, as as much as I got back from him, uh, uh, and. So it was me and Demi Moore, actually, and uh, uh, t- a young uh, 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 Tim Robbins, uh, Jennifer Tilley. Oh. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was a, a really, you know, it was now an I interesting see it experience. Now. Well, yeah, I also, I got sick for, uh, I got a, a horrible attack of mono during it. Uh-huh. And I, and it's so bad that it, eventually I couldn't work anymore. And we shut down for a week. And at the time, I thought, that's no big deal. But, you know, we'll just we'll shut down for a week. We're in San Francisco. Everybody have a nice time. You know, it's like, go go to Fisherman's Wharf. Have a nice time, everybody. What I did not understand is that's financially ruinous for a movie, shutting right. down for a week. Right. Um, but at the time, I just stayed in my hotel and watched HBO. I was like, hey, guys. I, you know, completely cavalier about the whole thing. Um, uh, and I later found out that, uh, oh, and here's, okay, here's, here's, uh, you want some, some Hollywood dirt. Um, love it. Uh, I had, I, I had auditioned for two movies in the same day. I had auditioned for, I had met with Peter Bogdanovich for Mask, for the lead in Mask, and met with Jerry Schatzberg about the lead in No Small Affair. Mm -hmm. And, um, I got offered No Small Affair, and Peter Bogdanovich wanted me to meet Cher, um, but the No Small Affair people wouldn't wait. So I had to give them a yes or no. And I mm-hmm. thought, well, I don't know if Cher's going to like me. Right. <laughs> um, uh, and so I took No Small Affair. And apparently that made Peter Bogdanovich very angry. Um, because when the, we shut down for a week, apparently... Uh, that was the happiest week of Peter Bogdanovich's life uh, <laughs> because he was that's telling a- people, ah, you know, they had to shut down because the kid got sick, you know. <laughs> and I was like, that's an odd thing yes, to be happy yeah. about. Um, that's not nice. But it's not nice. But that being said, uh, you know, I, I that Mask is a terrific movie. Eric Stoltz is amazing. I yeah. don't. I can't imagine anybody else doing it. And so for, I for, probably wouldn't have gotten it. Yeah, Peter Bogdanovich. So there. <laughs> I know that's not nice. Talking about naming names, right? Um, yeah, but he's whatever. He's a genius. I'm not, he's he'll be fine. <laughs> Boy, they have like uh, well, I'm friend. You know, my director friend John Milley says no, oh. no grudge is too small. No, <laughs> so, I think directors are. I was with a director for a number of years, and it'd be like, uh, you know, it'd be like, oh, there's so and so. Yeah, I hate him. He, <laughs> he turned me down. They, that's the fuel. That's the, yeah. The, yeah. They're, that's they're not so going. happy when you when you turn them down. John um, Milius, I met. You did when I auditioned for Red Dawn. Oh, uh, uh, you yes. could have been in Red Dawn. I could have been in Red Dawn, but I just wasn't good enough and didn't get into Red oh. Dawn. But uh, but oh my goodness! So you must have been auditioning again, like you're naming all the, the this is like my sweet spot of movies of, mm-hmm. of like what other I mean Mask and Red Dawn these were yeah. all you did you all, what were some of the other movies uh, that one you of were... my first auditions was Fast Times at Ridgemont High oh, still crushed that I didn't get that because I killer. love that movie I love that movie I to this day I mean and having being having been in Pretty in Pink which I think is actually a really good teen movie yes. and one of the one of the few that really stands up. Um, that holds up over time. Um, but I feel like Fast Times and Say Anything were like two, uh, you know, of the best. Yes. Yeah, you know, and great. exactly. And and I did not get into Fast Times, sadly. 
uh, and never even got to audition for Say Anything. But uh, No, I had heard a rumor. I'm, this might may be totally off, but I had heard a rumor that Martha Coolidge was originally involved with Pretty in Pink in some way, that she worked on the script. No. What that was was, and this is, a, this is quite a story. This is okay. a much more complicated story. Um, uh, after, while I was doing Pretty in Pink, uh, John Hughes gave me the script to the next big thing he was going to do. He was doing, uh, he was doing Ferris Bueller. He was mm-hmm. he was going to shoot Ferris Bueller with Matthew right in like the last few weeks that we were doing Pretty in Pink. But the thing he was doing after that was he had written something um, that he that Howie Deutsch, who had directed Pretty in Pink, was going to do uh, called Some Kind of Wonderful. Right. Uh, and uh, he wanted me to do that, and he gave it to me. And and it was at that point, it was much more like Ferris. It was a it was a kind of broad comedy right. about a kid who, uh, like the nerdiest nerd imaginable, you know, Napoleon Dynamite, basically a, 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 on a on a on a sort of dare, mm-hmm. asks the prettiest girl at school to the prom, and she, in order to piss off her boyfriend at the time, says yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's about it was about him taking her on the date of her life in order to win her from from her dickhead boyfriend. Uh, but it, it was very antic and, and silly. Uh, and uh, he wanted me to do it and with uh, Mary Stuart Masterson, as a matter of fact. And uh, we came in and read for it. And, mm-hmm. uh, and everybody said, well, we're good. We got a movie. We're going, you know. And... Uh, uh, and and Howie actually told me the the inside scoop on this. Uh, Howie asked John if he could if there was uh, there was another script that that uh, John had written that Howie loved even more than mm-hmm. some kind of wonderful. And he said, "Please, John, if you ever make that, please can I be the guy who who directs that?" And John took that as an enormous act of be- betrayal and fired Howie from the movie from oh. some kind of wonderful. So I'm naming names today. Uh, this is whoa! Clear the decks, everybody. What do you got in that cup? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just Coke. Okay. I mean, the Coca Cola. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, so he fired Howie. I mean, literally, like changed the locks. Fired Howie, uh, and so Howie was off the movie. And they brought in Martha Coolidge to rewrite some I kind see. of wonderful. Okay. Martha Coolidge did not want me to be in the movie. Oh no! Uh, by the way, I ho- do not hold this against Martha Coolidge. I, I enjoy Martha Coolidge's work and and. Whatever I, I I understand you know you're a director you're brought in and yeah. you want it it's got to be the movie you want to make you know right. and I don't, I respect that um, but she so she rewrote the script uh, m- made it a lot more down to earth um, but it started getting very close to Pretty in Pink uh, uh, so then they fired her <laughs> uh, uh, and brought back Howie and made it into Pretty in Pink it was the same movie basically. Wow. Uh, but by that time, Eric Stoltz had been cast because yeah. Martha Coolidge loved Eric Stoltz, and uh, and and some kind of wonderful happened. Jeez! Um, but that's it's uh, you know it's a it's a wacky business. It's a sordid, yeah. That's I'm so... telling you this. No, yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you this. Please, you, <laughs> you, when you say the Matthew Broderick thing, uh, yeah, for me it was like I, I kept losing parts to Rosie O'Donnell. Like I was like. <laughs> That's, can't she Wait, just? What? I know, but it was like um, with the baseball movie. It was like, uh-huh. well, you know, Sleepless in Seattle. Like every movie, I was like, oh, please, God, tell me that Marissa Tomei or <laughs> Rosie O'Donnell, or you know, and every once in a while, you'd actually get one, and you'd be like, huh, what Phew. a relief. Jeez. Um, 
did you like Johnny? There, I feel like he's somewhat mysterious. Like, we don't know much about John Hughes. I once yeah, saw I his not, house. I did not. Oh, nice, really? Nicely decorated. Yes, I okay. knew I knew the woman who decorated his house. Okay, that's so, as close as you that's, got. That's did you get any insight into him from, yes, from that? Yes, I, oh. I did. I did. Because well, I'm a snoop. It was uh, it was very East Coast, kind of the way mm-hmm. it was decorated. Very it looked like Cape Cod okay. mansion. You know, not Beverly Hills at all. Mm-hmm. Everything was, you know, corduroy couches and sisal rugs and okay. extremely tasteful. And I was like, wow, this is not, you know, it was my same experience of going to Don Rickles' house. Have you mm-hmm. ever gone to Don Rickles' house? I've never been to Don Rickles' Okay, house. it's like an English cottage. It uh-huh. is not. So it's oddly tasteful for somebody who yeah, you'd expect like, might like do a, a gonzo a, thing yeah, or something. It's like yeah, like br- brick paths and rose gardens. Yeah, and like, oddly mm-hmm. traditional. Exactly. And John okay. Hughes is very East Coast. So what were your impressions of of him? My, uh, There were only impressions because he, I never really got to know him. He was at my audition he uh, he was there several times when we were we, we rehearsed for two weeks mm-hmm. um, on Pretty in Pink and and uh, and that's unusual. I, I I haven't done a movie since where I got two weeks to rehearse. Yeah, I know it. that that ended. Um, and it was great. And it yeah. was that that really transformed the things for, for all of us. I mean, oh we, yeah, you know, um, we just got to know each other and we really felt yes. you know a, a part of something. Um, but uh, you know. I, I got the impression that he was a guy who'd really been shaped by his high school experience. You know, he uh, he had married his wife. Nancy was a, a cheerleader. You know, and they, uh, you know, I mean, yeah. it, it was it was clearly, you know, and he was a music nerd in school, and I got that he was very much a perfectionist, but he wanted the actors to bring stuff to it. So he didn't he he wasn't precious about every single word, mm-hmm. but he. Uh, uh, but he had an intensity about how honest he needed everybody to be, mm-hmm. which was great. Um, uh, but he was also known for, you know, being capricious, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in that kind of stuff. Uh, and I, you know, I worked with the, you know, he didn't direct Pretty and Pink. Uh, I worked with Howie, right. most of all. Uh, and Howie and I totally got each other. We were both the East Coast guys and loved all the same movies. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, I totally understood what he was going for. Um, so, uh, you know, but John was always, you know, like he'd invite me over to his offices when he, like at one point he redid his offices, uh, on the Paramount lot and they were all neon and, you know, it was like, it was very <laughs> new wave. Uh, <laughs> and cause he just kind of wanted me to see it, you know, and he wanted me to hear, he was putting together a record label, um, uh, and he wanted me to hear some of the bands. You know, he's like, yeah. this is Flesh for Lulu. You're going to love them, you know? And yeah. I was like, yeah, okay. It seems like you a know? good idea, actually. <laughs> and that was very cool. Um, uh, but I never feel like felt like I got to know him. And, and he never screwed me over. You yeah. Know? Uh, uh, he was a distant guy, but I, I, I you know, I never, uh, I never felt like he, you know, wasn't uh, uh, good to me. Mm-hmm. So then you were in the movie, and I, I you, you don't have to dwell on it, but um, there, there was not great chemistry between you and Molly Ringwald. Um, it was. I. She's chilly. She's I, chilly. Yeah, she's just. I met she's her. Not an effusive person. I remember, like, I I was really close friends with Paul Mazursky, and, mm-hmm. and she knew him too because she was in the Tempest. And every time there'd be like an event, like you do a play reading, or so she'd be there. It would always be like, "Why are you here?" You know, like <laughs> there was always that. I was like. Hi. She's remote. Uh, that's that. I, I'm. Maybe she East needs Coast glasses. <laughs> yes, that's it. She needs glasses. Maybe she, she goes, She's squinting because she she's can't see. 
Um, no, it, it's uh, I, I'm I'm we're from the East Coast, yeah, and I'm used to just much more. Uh, out there, yes, pe- perhaps needy. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the word is, but but people for You're whom outgoing, a, a very outgoing people. She is not that. She's very remote, and uh, and she doesn't feel the need to right. be on or entertain yes. or anything like that. She's not mean or right. cruel or anything. She's just she's just sort of there, uh, and that works wonderfully for her as an actress because you know it just allowed her to be very honest and. You, as a, an audience, project things onto her. She's, it's like totally, Clint, yeah. It's like Clint Eastwood. You know, yeah. He's just there. He stands there, and you're like, oh, he's doing great things. You're like, he's squinting. There's nothing happening there. Um, but uh, like, I like she and I would do scenes together, and I'd be like, okay, when's she gonna start? <laughs> um, and uh, but it's because she has a wonderful reserve, and she doesn't feel the need to to amp things up and. And that's one of the reasons that Howie said he cast us was because our, we were so different. We were so different even in the audition. Right. Um, you know, she, I was trying way too hard and she was hanging back. And Howie just thought, okay, that's the right vibe. That's what I'm looking for. And uh, so I never, I assumed because she was remote, oh, she doesn't like me. You know, yeah. <laughs> which wasn't the case. Yeah. You know, um, and Andrew McCarthy is also kind of uh, uh, taciturn very and very, very quiet. Uh, and I assumed, oh, he doesn't like me either. I so, still feel he doesn't like me. Oh. <laughs> no, he do, he doesn't. No. He talked to me about that. He does not. Uh, um, Again, uh, you, there are certain people where you're like, why why is he giving me a dirty look? Like I I belong. I will. But again, it could just be me. You know, I do that all the time. Well, that's the thing. I do too. I do too. I, <laughs> I think I, that's a good quality. I feel like <laughs> being needy is I, a I good like, quality. I feel like Albert Brooks and people like that are. are I like insecure people. I, you know, I do too. I, I, uh, um, I get them, and I am uh, upfront <laughs> about my insecurities. Uh, and part of I, I have to figure part of why people enjoy. Uh, yes, it's comedy. My work is because you know they get that I'm on a high wire and I don't really know what I'm doing. And yeah. I, I think I think that works for me. Who taught you? Uh, you have such a great sense of physical comedy. Did you always have that? You sense your body. Um, and... No, I did not have it on purpose. Uh, uh, I when I started uh, understanding how the the people that do it really well do it. Yeah. Then I tried to learn it. Right. Um, but at first, I was just awkward. Right. Uh, and and never, uh, you know, didn't stand up straight and was, you know, just a, a, a goofball on stage. Yeah. And that and and I and that gave me and I used my hands way too much. You've probably noticed that if you're watching the podcast on. Yeah. Um, you know, it diffuses my energy, but it but it uh, it also makes me non-threatening. So I can say horrible things. And uh, and people just go, ha ha. He just, you know, he just quoted Hitler. Ha ha. <laughs> you know, look at look at how his hands wave around. Uh, who could be scared of him? Uh, <laughs> it's funny you say that about hands because when I was in acting school, my uh, my best acting teacher used to make used to tie my hands and not let yeah. me use my hands, and you actually use a lot more energy when you tie them down. And mm-hmm. and one of the things I hate when I watch actors in a serious scene is when they yes do this, <laughs> and that's always a clue to me of bad. It's like put the hands down, <laughs> don't, sweetie, people, sweetie, drop the hands. Yeah, people drop don't do hands. that in real life. In comedy, you can get I think yeah. you, you can get away with it, but yeah. when you Start doing no. Uh, I I have learned that, I, and yes, and I'm not. Uh, and drama, 
is uh, I, I love doing drama, but I don't get uh, not, uh, not not asked to do it all that often. So funny. The uh, I, I would cast you in a drama in a second. No, oh, your whole you? your whole look in the did you come up with that look? Was that your look like your clothes in, in Oh in Pretty in Pink? Yeah. Oh um, the, no, the clothes were Marilyn Vance, who was the costume designer, who uh, was uh, I had imagined a whole different thing for him. I thought he was really? going to be. I thought he was going to be a rockabilly. That because I, I had a friend. Well, you look sort of rockabilly though. Well, he had the hair. Yeah. Um, that was under my control. <laughs> <laughs> um, the clothes, however, were under the costume designer's control. Um, no, what happened was I had a friend uh, growing up named Artie who was a. a uh, rockabilly times ten. I mean, he did the, the Stray Cats hair, yeah. which, if you recall, the Stray Cats band, their first uh, 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 hair was a, a, like a parody of rockabilly. It was like fully four inches on top of their yeah. heads, and it was madness. Uh, and that's what he did. Yeah. And he wore, and he looked great, you know. All, uh, in the, 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 you know, he was a very stylish guy, uh, and you know, he he st- stood out from yeah. a crowd. And that's who I wanted to be. I wanted uh, I wanted Ducky to be that guy who was. The wrong, he was in the wrong place, right. but he was stylish getting there. And uh, but Marilyn said that he she wanted um, she wanted it to be a, a she wanted him to clash. She wanted things to be so clashy that it ended up making its own mm-hmm. uh, uh, statement. And so she you know she would uh, here you go you're trying on later hosen sure why not you know <laughs> and uh, 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 and so she you know. Uh, and we arrived at this look through, you know, a, a, a lot of uh, a lot of trial and error. But it was funny because I there was a real there was a part of me that was sad because I was like, oh, I had this thing right. that I wanted to do, but but I guess I guess that's not what's going to happen. But in the end, it shows you the, the, what's fantastic about collaboration because that look is who Ducky is, right? You know? And she was right, mm-hmm. you know. And there's a reason that she won an Academy Award. You know, she's she's good at what she does. The, uh, well, I saw you later. We rely on, on like Johnny Carson show. You had your more rockabilly. Yes, yes. I, 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 they, I could do my own thing. Did you go like um, vintage shopping here in like yeah, yeah, just on yes, exactly. Uh, Aardvark on uh, on uh, Melrose. Yes, I, I did that and. Uh, and vintage uh, but was really in in the, those days. It was yeah. Big, it was really it was fun. It was fun and it was cheap, which was nice. Yeah. Um, but I've been. I remember going on Johnny Carson petrified. Oh my God! Absolutely. Now, I, I've got to ask you about that because that must have been exciting. Well, but you've done those things. You, you I never uh, did Johnny Carson. Oh my gosh! Well, or I go, Leno or Leno because seriously, yeah, because when I when I every time I did a movie, you had to choose one or the between, other. Uh, in my day, it was you had to choose between Letterman or and and uh, and Carson and and I and they always I chose Letterman. It was my day too, <laughs> Ileana Douglas. Just so you know. I had to make those choices as well. Back in the day. That was it was like Sophie's choice. It was I, like Letterman, Letterman, Letterman. Um, I did every <laughs> I did like did you I was on Donnie Marie, Howie. Oh, Remember, I did Donnie Marie. Yeah, I, I did every I, yes, I, did, yes. I turned down I was Yes, I go back to I did Merv Griffin. <gasps> yes. What? I did I Merv Griffin. Find that. Oh my god. I did the Mike Douglas show, but I was a kid. Uh, I did Phil Donahue. That's incredible. Uh, yes. Do you have any of these on tape? Yes. Yes, I believe I do. I know I have Phil Donahue, um, and I know I have Merv Griffin. Merv Griffin was fun because he was awesome and really smart, oh. and was just and was, did not care anymore. So he would just you know chat about whatever he felt like chatting about. Yeah, and it was great. Uh, um, uh, Carson, I was petrified. 
Yeah. I was absolutely petrified, and it didn't go great, you know. But, it, oh, what freaked me out about Carson. Okay. You look great. Oh, well, thank you. You had a nice outfit on. And... Well, what weird, what weirded me out about Carson was you, you're talking to him, and he's, you know, talking like this. <laughs> and then uh, they break for commercial, and just, he stops, everything dies on his yeah. face. Smoking a cigarette yeah. off here that he that was there the whole time. Right. Um, but then he's smoking a cigarette. Thanks for being on the show. And that was it. <laughs> and then he would talk with his producer for yeah. a little while. Uh, and I remember Pia Zadora was on my uh, episode of, of, of Johnny Carson, and she sang too long, so m- half of my segment got cut. Oh, wow. Oh, Pia Zadora. Jesus. Right. Oh, I'm naming names. Yet another. Pia. Yet another. <laughs> She's with Randy and... And Barry Miller. Um, <laughs> yet another. So the movie comes out. What was the first thing? Did you get Did you get paid a lot of money or was like nothing? Uh, it, it was a lot of money to me. Uh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> but um, I look back and I think something that was a lot of money. Yeah. Was, uh, um, no, was it was not. not it was not. It was, in in well retrospect, paid. it was not. Um, but you got a run of the picture deal. That was the yeah. other thing that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. You know, like you said, the rehearsal. Yes. No, no. You get yeah, yeah, you for get a paid movie the, like the for whole... six, seven weeks or something. Yes. God, it was great. It was great. But uh, uh, yes, I, I. But Molly was already a megastar by then. Yes. So she was sucking up all the air in the room, money wise. Um, and uh, I want I want to get to Superman four and your show. So, uh, but the how many takes did you do of the of the dancing thing, and and at what point in the schedule did it come up? It came was it up, a throwaway, it, or it was supposed to be a throwaway. Uh, it was it was about this much in the script. Uh, yeah. It was about a paragraph in the script. He comes in singing a song, you know, or, or, yeah. or, or, uh, frantically lip singing a song. You know, he's a he's a, he's a joker. Uh, you know, and then uh, uh, and then we go into the scene. Uh, and I had when I was auditioning, I had wanted to show Howie some because uh, I had been famous for my Mick Jagger. Uh, impression at the time. Love it. And I was going to say, you know, if you want to knock this out of the park, my Mick Jagger will just kill. Uh, (laughs) It's time that it was committed to celluloid. Um, And uh, and he said, okay, okay. And uh, he thought about it. But I never actually showed it to him. And uh, as we got closer to, that was in the first week of shooting. We were shooting all the record store stuff in the first week. And uh, as we were getting closer and closer, I was like, what, do we know what song I'm going to sing? You know, and he said, uh, how he said we can't afford anything that Mick Jagger has ever recorded, uh, so uh, uh, so and his dad was in the music industry, and somehow got the rights to the Otis Redding song uh, yeah. "Try a Little Tenderness," and I uh, and I had he- not heard the song before. Yeah, and he said, "Well, I hope I hope this is something fun for you." And I and I, and I listened to it. And I said, "Well." You know that last bit is amazing. Yeah. You know, but it's it's an awful long <laughs> bit up to that. You sh- how long do you want to be? Want this to be on screen? He said, "No, no, no. We'll edit it down. We'll edit it down." So okay. And I thought you, you know, I said I, 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 you know, how I really want to make something of this. Yeah. And so he got me together with Kenny Ortega of all oh, people, who's yeah. a wonderful director yes. and and choreographer, and really responsible for a lot of uh, iconic 80s choreography. I mean, yes. Dirty Dancing and, yeah. you know, and he, uh, um, and, uh, he and I just spent a, a day in a rehearsal studio with mm-hmm. him trying to figure out what I could do, <laughs> and, uh, and we showed it to Howie uh, the next day on the set, uh, and, uh, you know, I... 
you know, it, it, they had shut down the set, and it was Howie and, and Lauren Schiller, uh, the the producer, and uh, and I, you know, gave it my all. I did the whole number, really, just you know, just you know, it was it was like at the end of River Dance when you're, <sighs> you know, <laughs> and uh, and he uh, and he didn't you know, seemed to like it. And I thought, oh, crap, you know. Uh, uh, we Exactly what you did in the movie. Exactly what I did in the movie. I and showed he, it to him, and he was like, <laughs> and he, he did not seem pleased with it at all. And wow. and, and I said, what's going on, Howie? I, you know, I, I, I thought it came together pretty well. Um, and he said, oh, no, no, it's, it's great. I just don't know how I'm going to shoot it, because they had, they had only slated a half a day to shoot the whole thing. Right. Because it was supposed to be a throwaway. Um, and he said, this is going to, this is a big thing, you know, and I just don't know how I'm going to have the time to do it. And, and so there was all this whispering between he and Lauren. And just, uh, and they decided to slate a whole day for it. Wow. And it pushed it, it for Howie. It was a very ballsy choice because he, yeah. he was a first time director and it meant that he was going to be behind schedule for the rest of the shoot. And he would be behind schedule in the first week, uh-huh. you know. Um, but he felt like it was worth wow. getting. What a great story. Um, and he was right. God God bless him. Did people applaud after you did it the first time? Yeah. Yeah. And I know Aww. that because I went to the theaters <laughs> where it was playing. Because it was playing. Okay, this is a dream moment for an actor. Because it was playing at Lowe's 44th Street, Lowe's Astro Plaza. Um, yeah. Which is where I saw Star Wars, which was like great. one of the. That was a great theater. Yeah, which is a huge. I saw Reds there, I think. Yeah, perfect perfect theater for Reds. Yeah. You know, huge screen, great yeah. sound, you know, and, uh, and you know, everything was an event. Uh, and I, I remember, uh, 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 you know, going in a limo, you know, and the movie had started, it was about five minutes in, and I just went in with a friend of mine, um, a, a girl who was uh, in, uh, 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 rather a woman, sorry. Um, we were both youngish at the time. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, who was in Brighton Beach Memoirs with me at the time. And, uh, uh, and we went in, and we took a limo to the theater, and we went and sat in the front row. Uh, <laughs> and... And the scene played, and it just got this round of applause, and I was just in heaven. I just couldn't wow. believe that uh, that this was happening to me, and I and I sort of snuck back up the aisle and got in the limo and went to another theater <laughs> and <laughs> went to see if it happened anywhere else. Two but, years. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, you need that. You need that. That's like heroin, people. You, well, you it's know, like everything in your career that's led up to that. Yeah. You know? And then for it to have such a place in cinema history, you know. I watched the thing of you and uh, James Corden, you know, recreating it, and it's such a nostalgic, you know what I mean? So uh, yeah, it's it, that's a, that's a, a an enormous gift for an actor to participate oh. in something that people and plus it was organic. It was from mm-hmm. you, you know. Yeah, I mean, again, and, and it was and it was uh, organic to the character, and it was you know it was like one of those things where everything works. And I that's love that really the nice... idea that the director said, "Let me just see what I can do." That was great. Okay, so <laughs> what I know, I'm going to run out of time here. I have to get to. Uh, we have to talk about Superman 4. <laughs> we don't have to. We do. <laughs> Nobody's forcing you. This is America. Just as, a, just as a cursory, you did get to work with Gene Hackman. I did get to work with Gene Hackman, which was a thrill. Christopher Reeve. And Christopher Reeve, who was so I mean, lovely. My God. He was so lovely and was, you know, as, as lovely as you could hope that that guy would be. Anything you know? crazy, like when he's wearing the suit every day, like anything <laughs> kind of like, um, is that surreal? For or? me, the flying stuff yeah. was the most fun uh, a human has ever had. Right. He was so sick of it by then. <laughs> and it's especially hard for him because he was in, 
they, the way the way they they you've the done days. flying stuff. Yeah, yeah, they they would hook you up with a harness yeah. that went around your midriff. But he had to have an especially small one because he's Superman and he's wearing a skin tight outfit. So right. his one is about the size of a bikini. <laughs> most most of the harnesses are about the size of boxer briefs. Yeah. You know, and they they hold you up and they they can they've got a lot more body to grab onto. Yeah. But tiny bikini briefs are incredibly uncomfortable to yes. hang from. Yeah. Uh, so by the time. That he and I, uh, like every time they would have a, they would have his stand-in do all the flying stuff with me. Yeah. Uh, and I would, I was like, you know, no, no, <laughs> you know, I don't care that it's a rehearsal. I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, put me in. Um, but he was really tired of it by then, and uh, and totally understandable when you're on the the fourth movie of a franchise. I know. Who knew it would have such a then such a comeback? And uh, mm. and Gene Hackman was he? Did you learn anything? I mean, I did. He was he was he was very workmanlike. Yeah, he was having I heard a great he can time. Be tough. And he can be tough. He wasn't with me. He was lovely yeah. with me. And we had a, we were always just cracking each other up, which was fun. Great. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, it wasn't a serious movie. So maybe that's why he was a little more lighthearted about it. Yeah. Um, plus, he got to golf a fair amount uh, uh-huh. on, during his off time. But also, he kind of bought out emotionally because very early in the process, it was it was clear to everybody but me that the movie was a, a horrible fiasco. <laughs> uh, that that they were running out of money. The, yeah. the 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 sets were getting cheesier and cheesier looking. They were cutting whole weeks out of the shoot schedule. Um, the craft service was going to shit. The you know it was just uh, you know everybody could read the writing on the wall but me. I was still new. Yeah. Um, so I was still showing up bright eyed and bushy tailed every morning, and yeah. everybody else was kind of just like whatever, you know, cashing the checks, you know. Yeah. Um, and and the movie's a mess because Canon, the company that made it, was not used to making big budget movies. They just right. weren't. You know, they were they made Delta Force, you know, yeah. and these little exploitation movies. So they just ran out of money and didn't know how to finish the movie. So they cut together this mess of a movie that doesn't make any uh, sense you know part of why it's it some movies like that are are can be unintentionally funny though because i was watching clips from it and it's like valley of the dolls i yeah. think i think it beca- <laughs> i actually think because of your enthusiasm because chris reeve is like he looks like this i, I cannot and, believe i'm he, here <laughs> but you are like 90 am, miles an hour i like, am committed just I making know. every stupid joke imaginable i love it's, it uh, yes i i yeah, we have to do a, a, a panel at Comic Con one year because oh. it is it is legendarily bad that movie. Is there a commentary to it? No, I've never. There, somebody's uh, got to do a deluxe, you know, total, love. you know. But there's still people I think who like are trying to guard their reputations and don't want to admit that it was bad. But oh it's really? Like, oh come they, on, they should guys. listen to Jen Frankenheimer's commentary of Reindeer Games. Okay, <laughs> it's one of the most refreshing. Just, he, this he was goes, a fucking train wreck. Every, every, every scene, he goes scene by scene. He goes, okay, I'm going to tell you what happened here. I'm not proud of this, you know. And it's insane. It's so. Oh, I have to do this. I, I did not know this was available. I have to. Yeah. I have to do that now. In this day and age, if you're not, if you're there to be construct, he does it in a way that's constructive. Oh, okay. And he doesn't particularly name names. He just mm-hmm. he, but he talks about the pr- the process. That he went through and did too many cooks and things like that. Mm-hmm. I find, I, I mean, you know, I find it to be really interesting. Oh to, my gosh, to, yes. Knowing how things go wrong is is a 
a, a, a fantastic part of the process because because let's face it, it's so rare that things go right. Right. That's <laughs> you know, true. it's so rare that that a movie just comes together and just everything is effing perfect. Yes. You know. Um, so another comedy movie you were in was uh, Hot Shots. Uh, and, yes. And that, that you know that must have been a fun experience. That's a very funny movie. It was fun. It was fun. It was. Uh, you know, a remarkably technical movie yeah. because those kind of jokes, you know, they seem very, you know, off the cuff and, you know, and loopy. But it, it, but technically you actually have to be very precise about how you deliver those things. Yeah. Uh, and and Charlie Sheen was just a machine. He was a machine for, yeah. <laughs> for, for, for doing that kind of comedy, for doing absolutely straight-faced, you know, committed uh, 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 gonzo comedy. He was fantastic yeah um, and uh and you know and and jim abrams and uh, pat proft and you know those guys were were just lovely and perfect and kept it lighthearted and but you know but we did have a serious job to do we had to you know make this make what was a hilarious script yeah you know make all of that come out on on screen and you know that was it was great to be a part of to see technicians right you know comedy technicians really uh uh do um you know be very specific and make stuff work it wasn't about anarchy at all no no very technical gags i mean again very kind of jerry lewis you very know, yes like, very by, much so you know by the numbers uh did you like carrie elwes were yes uh, yeah uh, uh, he was lovely he's, he's again he's very funny i think people he don't realize how funny he's very he is. wry and yeah <laughs> uh, uh uh and he's got the british accent well, although it's 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 mellowed a little bit uh, yeah now but uh, but also you know he's impossibly handsome. That's true. Which you know there's all kinds of stuff you can. Uh, you, you were know. sandwiched between uh, the. Uh, wait, did you were you like Jerry Lewis though? Like every everybody sort of <laughs> thought it was Dean Martin, but actually Jerry was getting most of them. <laughs> no, I, I, I would love to see, say that see I was the, getting most of them. Well, but no, it was I mean, not. That was not the case. It's because they'd say, "Well, Jerry, no, he's he's not going to be out of my league." But this one. <laughs> well, no. Apparently, Don Knotts, same thing. Apparently, Don Knotts really? got over like nobody's business. Uh, Interesting. You know, I, God bless him. That's yeah. uh, awesome. Uh, and I'm not saying I was. I didn't get. Uh, come on, I. I you I, were in I, Hollywood. I, had, I was in Hollywood. I, you know, I, I, you, I had my share. Did you have any? Uh, cra- <laughs> did you have any? Cra- did you like go nuts by a big car or how? Do you have any crazy expenses like that? No, I was always too New York theater uh, certain that I was going to be broke someday. <laughs> that, that that I never have. I still don't. I still I still hesitate. Uh, <laughs> uh, I drive a Chevy Volt most of the time. Actually, my wife's out of town. How is the Chevy Volt? Chevy Volt's awesome. Oh, okay. uh, it's a great car. I see it around. It um, looks good. Yeah, it, it's a great car. I, I, you fill it up a third of a gas tank every year. I swear Jesus. to goodness. Uh, uh, wow. It's an awesome car. But my wife's out of town, and she's got a Tesla. And I'm driving her Tesla while she's out of town. Wow, what's That's, that like? I, uh, I, it's it, awesome. The closest I come to a Tesla is seeing it on Curb, Curb Your Enthusiasm. They're fantastic cars. They're absolutely fantastic cars. Uh, but the Volt's great, too. And I'm, I'm happy to go back to my Volt. I'm not... I'm not Angry? Aren't you, aren't you scared <laughs> when the valet like? Do you go take care of it, or you, you just you don't do, do you do any? No, I've 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 come to a level okay. of uh, I let things go. You know, if the if the valet isn't going to treat my car with care, it's like whatever. I can't I can't control that. Um, okay, we we have to barely, of course, get to two and a half men because uh, I know I've, I've run out of time. But but um, if favorite things about working on the show? I mean, obviously, it's interesting because your career is so interesting to me what i my observation is you're so much funnier than people think you are 
even though hmm. you were on a comedy. On a comedy, yeah. Um, and I think that it comes as a surprise to people how funny you are. When they would give you physical comedy to do, that's mm-hmm. what I thought you really kind of shined oh, at. Well, thank you. I, I, I loved it. I loved it, and I, it was always a point of pride for me to like uh, tell uh, my stuntman, uh, Eddie, no, I, I got this one. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, that was, uh, uh, um, but, you know, and, and like, like if they'd had to light my crotch on fire, I was like, yeah, I can do it. Yeah, let's do it. You know, I, I, I've actually done three fire gags. You're so likable. Uh, <laughs> um, because I enjoy the challenge of it. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, but it is interesting because people always perceived, you know, oh, Charlie was the funny one on the show. And it's like, well, no, if you understood the, the comedy dynamic, yes, my character was the one who was super uptight. Right. Um, but the dynamic, uh, you know, wasn't that there was just one of us that was funny. Yes. You know, uh, I wasn't a straight man. Mm-hmm. You know, they gave Alan lots of great stuff to do. Um, and uh, But I've never been like a stand-up. Right. Uh, you know, I although I am... I joke a lot as mm. you can see yes <laughs> but uh uh but i've never been a stand-up and uh uh i think i don't know uh um doing doing comedy for an audience uh every friday night for yeah. years yeah. is the best it is just the best you just you you to get to feel that comfort in front of people and that you know uh, with characters that they they already know mm-hmm. and um and writing that you like, I really like the writers on the show, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and I loved working with Charlie. We had a great, easy rapport yeah. that was there from the first time we read together. Um, the, yeah, is that the most important thing? Just to have that chemistry. Yeah, yeah, you we got each other. Read, yeah, we both, uh, you know, we both were raised on the same sitcoms, the same, you know, we we wanted the same things, and uh, uh, and so it was real. You know, it was it was incredibly easy. It's like um, you're like uh, the Mick in uh, again to use the uh, you know like the Mick Jagger okay. Keith Richards <laughs> analogy. I guess, yeah. Maybe there'll be a reunion. <laughs> oh gosh, no, no. Uh, when uh, so when you know when things sort of went off the rails a little bit, was a it, little, <laughs> just a little. I, now it seems like oh who's, yeah, it's no big deal like, now. I know TikTok. You being, know, being the, a part of the first internet shitstorm, yeah, uh, was. Uh, fascinating, um, but I, I I have now come to realize it was just the first. You know, yeah. <laughs> there's there's many many more to come, unfortunately. And yeah. uh, and now it is funny because I wrote a book uh, called "So That Happened" that is all about that. But when I wrote it, it was when a time it was still a time when internet shitstorms were n- not daily. No, and, and, <laughs> you and know. I think in my lifetime there was like two. My mom would always go, I re- and Julius LaRosa La said something bad to Arthur Godfrey. <laughs> ruined his career. <laughs> you know, there was like two. That's I mean, a very specific uh, reference, yes. Yeah, but, well, that's, <laughs> those are my references because I was raised by old Italian people. But, you know, there was like, yeah, there wasn't like you didn't, your career, you didn't have a public like kind of a meltdown. Yeah, you know that, what I that mean? was. Although I think it's everyone's fantasy. It happens in movies quite a bit. Yeah, you know, like the, the I, Howard Beale moment. Yeah, yeah, the Howard mm-hmm. Beale, or you know, get him to the Greek, or you mm-hmm. know, you th- see these movies. But to see it uh, when you're working with a person, are you are you do you get mad because you have such a? I mean, that would be me. I would be mad just because you have such a good 
creative thing going mm -hmm. and you think well why can't you pull yourself together yeah uh, well that uh, you're mad for a bunch of reasons you know obviously the show was when I first met him he was two years sober uh, he was a different guy you know yeah. he wanted to have a, he, he was married and was having a child and changing his life yeah you know and you you know that's a journey you want to help him on you know right. he was always a good guy to me when we worked together on Hot Shots he was lovely to me yeah um uh, you know, I had heard some of the stuff. Uh, you know, there, there. You know, the 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 various issues he had gone through with drug problems before, um, but he definitely seemed on the mend. And we had, you know, four or five years that were great, where it yeah. was just lovely. You know, um, and uh, he was a lovely guy to work with. Um, and then, you know. I could see the personal stuff starting to go wrong for him. And, and what do you think that is? Because I know I know so little about addiction because I'm, mm -hmm. I'm just too. I'm like I don't get it. I, um, I, well, I think what, he thought he could it, handle it. You really? Know? He so really? It's, he, it's not pressure. It's not. Yeah. I, I, uh, no, because the show was going great. Yeah. Um, uh, no, it was a matter of I. I Why not? I, I, yeah, I think okay. he's just a, he's a guy who's n never taken no for an answer. You know. Right. Um, uh, you know, he, he, when he, you know, when he wanted to buy himself every classic car that he felt like buying, he ended up with a hangar full of <laughs> classic cars, you know, and he, he bankrupted himself and had to sell his classic cars, but you know, he right. just did it. He just, you know, but isn't that um, an addiction too? Isn't that what they say? I don't yeah, understand. It, 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 it's all, it's all servicing and addiction. He, he had severe social anxiety. Um, he he had a stammer when he was younger. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think a lot of it, um, like he used to dread our read-throughs because he was really fighting, um, uh, fighting his delivery and and and, th and the fact that he, that he had social anxiety. You know, right? Um, so so there are there was stuff going on for him, um, but I think and I think he was self-medicating over the years, and I think he, he you know. He was. He tried being sober for a while and thought, you know what? I can get back into this and I can handle it right. this time. And I don't. And obviously, he couldn't. So obviously, when you're working, you can sense because the jokes aren't sharp or so. You, you got to know immediately. That I mean, happened. Uh, that happened way later. Like, uh, like, like I think uh -oh. he started. I, I think he he still started using and was still operating at a pretty high level, uh -huh. even though he was using. It wasn't until, like, the eighth season that it was really noticeable. Right. Where you're like, okay, <laughs> they've got to cut down on the amount of scenes he has because oh, no. it's a little off now. Yeah. Um, and he was, like, he was weird, you know, during rehearsals. He was talking to himself and making weird jokes to himself and, you know, and just not showing up for days and right. stuff like that. Uh, uh, and that was very frustrating to work with and frustrating to see because you know he's going off the edge and... He's making his life horrible, and he's making other people's lives horrible. Well, the, yeah, um, and and you know, and you feel for them, and it's like I, you know, I knew his wife, and I feel you know terrible that for what she's going through, um, and uh, uh, you know, so it's so, and it was just awful. But I, I, he was, you know, he's somebody you work with who's going through a horrible time. Right. So it's not, you know, it's my job to show up and work. Right. And as a friend, I want to say. Stop this. Right. Be better to your wife. You know. You know. You know. Change how how you are. But it's. It, you know. I, I realized I wasn't really his friend. You know. Right. Uh, I didn't really know him. So you know, it, it never. It, Did you it, ever wonder why? Like, gee, why don't I have addiction problems, or is it just something? <laughs> well, I, why should he have all the fun? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, when um, you, if you look, when you look back at someone who's who's crashing, do you mm -hmm. just go. 
I mean, that's what I mean. Like, I, I, it's just me personally. Like, I'm like, how you got a wife? I don't mm-hmm. see it. I don't see how do you, how do you, you know, plane wreck your life? Well, it wasn't until I had a weird time in the late 80s, right after I did Pretty in Pink, and, and, uh, uh, a few years after that, I, I, I made a succession of, I did Superman 4, and I did a movie called Dudes, and I did, a, I did a, uh, like three movies in a row that all tanked. Yeah. Um, and, and, and in the business, squandered all the goodwill I, I had built up as Ducky. Um, and, uh, and I was really mad at myself. And uh, then I did a TV show, uh, which was critically acclaimed, and then went down in flames in, in half a season. Um, and... I had I realized I was, you know, I, that that doing stuff in my career that's important to me is a huge part of my personality, mm-hmm. and without that, I felt really lost and uh, depressed, and and all of a sudden I was like, this is why people do drugs, <laughs> is because you, feeling like this is so shitty. Yeah, <laughs> you know, if you can do something that makes you forget that you feel this way, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and you, uh, either that or people go, here's the other route, which is like what happened to, to Jerry Lewis and what happened to Michael Jackson is you get injured right. and you have, and you take painkillers to keep going mm-hmm. and to perform. And then you need more and more and more and more until, right. you know, you've got a serious problem with them. Yes. Um, you know, that's, that's happened to a lot of people I know. And that's one of the reasons that I let my stunt guy do it now yeah. <laughs> and let right. him do the I gag you're better now. off. Okay, well, I have to wrap up. We, you mentioned your book again because I, the, I think the book is, is terrific and oh, it's got you. lots of personal stories in it. And, uh, uh, it's called So That Happened. I'm so excited, too. the audio book is fun, too. Oh, yes, yeah. oh, I've been uh, listening to the audio book. It's oh, good. very entertaining. Oh, thank you. Thank You're you so much. You're not half bad. Have oh, you, thank you. <laughs> you could, uh, have you thought about going back doing theater now? Yeah, yeah, I would love to. I would love to. Um, I think you should. Uh, yeah, I... I you're so young. Like I feel like you're going to have a secondary. I, I I feel great. I feel you know. I have I have stomach problems. But other than that, <laughs> you got a Tesla. Uh, I, uh, yeah. I don't. But uh, but yeah, you know, look into some uh, you know noises off or it, um, that could yeah, be there. There you go. Would love it. That would, would love be it. fun. That, that would physical. be fun. You can find John on Twitter at Mr. Yes. John J O N Crier, and you can find his book in bookstores and on Audible. You can find Ileana's book. That's I blame right. Dennis Hopper. We blame him now. Out on paperback. It's a great read. You should buy it. Also, check out our Facebook page on our website ilianaspodcast.com. You'll find more about John there. Yes, it's been That's such well. a thrilled to finally meet you and mine. talk to you come back any any time and as we always say uh everyone's life is a movie with a beginning a middle and an end and this is the end of our little movie today are we gonna die what? <laughs> this just is the mo- end just, <laughs> it's been wonderful we're gonna, knowing we're gonna you. fade out and then we're just gonna do and an iris go. we're gonna do an iris very tastefully go. All right. thanks everybody bye have a great day next time bye. <laughs> From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.